Farm Food Facts, where every farmer, every acre, and every voice matter. Welcome to Farm Food Facts for Wednesday, May 6th, 2020. May is Beef Month, so we've invited Jenny Schutte and Walt Patrick, owners of Pile Rock Farms, to discuss their changing supply model in light of the pandemic and how those changes are having them find new ways to sell their beef direct to consumers. COVID-19 could cost local and regional food systems, including farmers and ranchers, up to $1 billion from March through May, according to researchers from Colorado State University and the University of Missouri. Jenny and Walt, welcome to Farm Food Facts. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate you having us. So describe for me, pre-COVID-19, what your business was like. Um, Pre-COVID-19, let's say, Starting in January, you know, it was a slower winter months for whatever reason. Once school starts in the fall, our business tends to drop off. I think people forget that they have to cook at nights. Um, and so <laughs> and so we were holding steady. We had decreased our numbers knowing you know, we're going into our fourth year now. We knew our winters were always a little slower. Farmers markets were over with. And so we had slowed down on production from, because we do beef, pork, and lamb. And we'd slowed down all production just knowing we didn't want to fill our freezers and not be able to move it. And so we wisely thought that that was the thing to do. January, we were doing some deliveries, just trying to retain our farmers market customers. And then we also set up our meat wagon, our famous a meat wagon every Friday in our local town, and people were able to get product that way. But business was pretty normal January. And then? <laughs> and then it wasn't. I will tell you, it was the first address, State of the Union, I guess, from the president. It was on a Wednesday night, and he said, it's going to get bad. And that Friday is a typical day that we set up in town, in our local town. And when I sold out of hamburger that Friday, I knew things were about to, to change. Because well, I always tell people, I've said it for years now, if we ever run out of hamburger, that either we're going out of business or the world is coming to an end. And we ran out of hamburger. And it is as, as those that do what we do and, and sell product, beef, pork and dairy, sell beef to consumers, you know it's hard to run out of hamburger selling direct like we do. And so when, when we ran out of hamburger, I knew we were in trouble. So when I look at supermarkets over the past six weeks or so, uh, we've seen meat sales uh, dramatically increase. Uh, part of it is because we had certainly an earlier Easter. Uh, part of it is we have this you know panic mode setting in with a lot of consumers um, who want to make sure their freezers are full of, of meat. Um, and, and we've also seen a lot more substantial increases in lamb, matter of fact, um, at the supermarket level. But then, you know, when we look at, at what has happened, in fact, just over the past week with uh, some plants shutting down, with the president deeming that all the plants should remain open, consumers are getting really concerned. Should they be? Well, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts and have a lot of contacts, and Jenny does too. I mean, I'm sure you all have some as well, just all over the country. And, and it was odd. You know, thinking about it, you know, as it is now, obviously, I, I still think it's going to be worse before it gets better as far as the supply chain. I think there was some early concern and, and odd buying habits early on 
even like Jenny was saying, February, March, we were just, you know, kind of coming into this and, and knowing a little more as we went. I think certainly people changed their buying habits and which we had kind of laughed like, well, in a month, nobody's going to buy anything because everybody's going to have a freezer full of beef. I don't think that's still not going to happen, but you know, our thought of this being kind of a two month blip on the radar, I think it's certainly at this point stretching out to a six month blip and because maybe possibly magnified by the fact that plants are, you know, we're running at lower capacities or not at all. It would be, you know, silly to think that it's not going to be, you know, possibly a six month deal. So I certainly, you know, don't want to add to the already present quote unquote panic, but I don't see how it changes anytime soon to the better for our supply chains and trucks and deliveries and, you know, just knowing uh, grocery store chains are selling out within a couple of days and they only get a truck every week or so. Um, so I certainly think it's going to be a staggered relief, you know, when this does, things do open up and things start staying and, and we don't see that in the foreseeable future. So uh, to make my long answer shorter, I certainly think there's going to be another couple months of limited supplies of beef or meat, not just beef, beef, pork and, and dairy products as well. So I, I hate to say that, I mean, the panic is founded, but, you know, I think now we're just now seeing that there is a problem. Originally, us producers across the country, we were saying there's plenty of meat, there's plenty of food, there's plenty of milk. It's a distribution problem. But as at now we're getting months later, it's going to be a getting the end product cut and into the trucks to us problem. It's not just a distribution problem anymore. So, um, Jenny, when you look at your future of Pilo Rock Farms, what are what are you planning on? What are you doing now? You mentioned, you know, going Friday with with the truck to consumers. You know, I'm going to ask a really tacky question. How are you going to stay in business? I'll tell you, our demand right now is is through the roof. You know, all of us that that sell product like we do. I mean, we we keep saying, boy, if we knew this was coming, we would have planned differently. <laughs> um, I mean, right now, the second we get it in from our butcher, it is sold. The problem is finding a butcher. We worked with one or two butchers and now we're up to six or seven butchers just trying to get dates on the calendar to get our animals harvested. But on the flip side, just because we can get dates on the calendar doesn't mean we have livestock ready to go. And, and so that is a concern as well. People think that we're doing great because we keep selling out of product, but that doesn't mean we've got something on the back burner. Thankfully we do, um, that we, we will be able to get meat to our consumers and we were doing deliveries. We had closed our meat wagon, our famous meat wagon. We closed it down. People, it, it, they were treating it just like a supermarket and no one was using their protective measures um, like they should have been. This was six, seven weeks ago. So we shut that down and I just started doing deliveries. And the state of Tennessee is officially open. And so we are, we're going back out tomorrow, Friday, and we're going uh, to see consumer, how consumers are going to act and if we are okay to be set up like a supermarket again. So we will we'll continue to do that. We'll probably still do some, some deliveries because I'll tell you, we picked up a lot of new customers because of deliveries. Um, some folks didn't want to get out of their home. They may have had a child 
that was sick or they just had a new baby. I had one mom that says, I don't want to get out. Can you just drop it on my doorstep, ring the doorbell? I'll pay you through PayPal and we'll be on our way and we never have to see each other. So we picked up a lot of new business that way. Um, and then of course we're working to retain that business. Back in January, I wanted to start shipping nationwide May 1st, but because we are running out of product so locally, so fast, we're holding off on that shipping model. I want to go back to something um, that you said, and, and I want to talk about the fragility of the supply chain. So, you know, first up, it was not having trucks that, that could bring your product to the butcher um, and then from the butcher to wherever you were going to sell it. Now you're, you're sharing that there's not enough butchers. What else have you discovered about the frailty of the supply chain for the products that you make that, you know, you never thought you'd have to be faced with? For me, the butcher has been far and away the, the biggest concern. Every person that ever had a pig or a cow in their backyard has all of a sudden realized they can't get fresh ground hamburger at Walmart. And so they say, okay, let's take Bessie to a local butcher and they've, they've swallowed up all of those available dates and that, you know, we have butchers, some of our favorite butchers are booking into October, November. Wow. That's great for those that had that Bessie in the backyard, right. but for, for us that this is our livelihood, that is our biggest struggle. Walt, do you think, can you think of anything else? Well, sure. I mean, I think we could have, this could be a conversation about just our business in general, that there's a lack of, I think it's certainly magnified the fact that, especially regionally for us, Bill, is the lack of butchers, processors. I mean, we know the big guys and they're kind of on a different level, but regionally and locally, there just aren't that many around. I mean, there's plenty of guys that killed, you know, processed deer and there's plenty of guys that do some different things, but to have pork, beef, and lamb processed, there's not just a ton. Well, we have friends all over the country that drive you know, four, five, six hours to take animals to the butcher. So, I mean, that has certainly magnified that in itself. But that's been a situation for us since we started four years ago. I wanted to add to, to Walt's point, he hasn't said USDA inspected facilities. In, in our county, we can throw a rock at three or four different processors that handle beef, pork, and lamb, and deer but they are not USDA inspected. And for us to do what we do, for us to sell direct to the consumer, we have to have that little USDA stamp on every single package. And those are few and far between in the state of Tennessee. So I remember a couple of years ago, uh, maybe even more than that, um, the, what was starting was almost a cottage industry of butchers um, that would come to you in a truck that would be, yes. Yes. you know, now what's, what's going on with that? I think there's two in the state of Kentucky. I don't, I, I am confident there's not one in Tennessee and I do not think there's one in Alabama. We are right on the Alabama border. Um, and so we go, you know, we are not afraid of three to four hour one way road trips to go to the butcher or more. And I don't know of anyone coming uh, with a mobile facility like that in Tennessee and Alabama, but I would love to know of someone starting that um, how to get around the regulations, you know, where do they, where do they go with waste, Right. just things like that. But that would be fantastic to shorten the drives that we have to make, that we have to take our animals that we have to take to get product picked up. 
And, you know, let's let's talk about post COVID-19 and whether it's six months from now, whether it's a year from now, you know, what do you think Pile of Rock Farms is all going to be about? This was one of the things that I had thought, like, this is going to be something to discuss that we kind of alluded to the fact we 90 percent of the people that called us after the second week of coronavirus were 90 percent we had never talked to before or, or sold to before. And if we could retain, you know, 15 or 20 percent of that, we will already be, you know, past our two year prospectus, three year prospectus from January 1 of this year when we were planning, you know, what we were doing, what we were going to do. So in that point, I certainly think people have been kind of uh, reminded where food comes from. And you see that and it's a little cliched and, and we can only hope, you know, that this has kind of shown shine the light on the production model and, and where food comes from and you know we're we're pretty rural where we are so our customer base is probably a little more in touch than normal but i certainly think this is going to i mean we're 30 miles from huntsville 50 60 miles from nashville really don't want to compete in the nashville market but i certainly think this is going to be one that uh, helps us to expand into the huntsville market huntsville alabama uh, so, you know, little, two of those points right there are certainly going to help us in the future, we, we do expect. And to Walt's point, at least in my 40 years or 25 years of buying from a store, that we have ever went to the store and there not be hamburger on the shelf. And so, or, yeah, or something. I mean, there's no breaded frozen chicken nuggets. There's no, I mean, vegetables are gone. And that's the first time in my history that that has happened. And so I think people are finally starting to say, okay let's take a step back if push comes to shove where are we going to get product oh hey there's a local farmer that that grows vegetables there's a local producer that sells beef pork and lamb and i don't want to certainly throw this in people's faces consumers faces but we've been here all along and <laughs> thank you for finding us and that's awesome i hope you think of us when everything gets back to normal because we will continue to be here and and again to waltz point is we we want to retain those that have found us and are interested in creating a relationship with the local farmer you know we've got a, a hashtag that we use often local a thousand miles fresher and we're trying to get people to realize that there's a lot of local producers in your backyard you just got to find them well jenny walt best of luck um, it's great to see farmers who are innovative who are being successful and i know when this is all over you know you're going to start you know, sh shipping to me in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, deal. <laughs> if you pay that shipping rate, we'll make it happen. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on Farm Food Facts. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's podcast episode. For more information on all things food and agriculture, please visit us at usfarmersandranchers.org. Also, be sure to look for us on Facebook, at U.S. Farmers and Ranchers or on Twitter at USFRA. Until next time. <laughs>